Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring the best and the brightest from everything. And I'm thrilled to welcome my guest today, a man who needs no introduction, but I'll do it anyway. Filmmaker, actor, author, comedian, podcaster, New Jersey's own Kevin Smith. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. What I love about the podcast, uh, Adam, is that you put your name into the title. That's what Smodcast was when I started Smodcast with Mosier back in 2007 February 2007 is when I got into the podcasting game and I love that you put your I love it's podcast that's I you know what I, I'm saying I, if you don't celebrate yourself in this life who the hell is going to celebrate you you can't expect others to celebrate you if you can't celebrate yourself first so some people may look at people like us and be like you arrogant dicks not at all we're honoring <laughs> ourselves and what we built man that's cool well, people actually look at me and they always say I have a face for radio. And that's when I went into podcasting, uh, Kevin Smith. But let's get into it. Hey, um, first again. Hey, <laughs> hey, man, I'm Silent Bob. So I don't even have a voice for movies, uh, <laughs> let alone a face for radio. So let's get into it. First, I, I want to just um, set the stage here. I'm 43 years old. I've grown up with your films from Clerks to Mallrats. I'm one of my favorites, Chasing Amy. And I always say that Zach and Mary make a porno is a way underrated film. Like I'm It just kind of. It flies under the radar. It came I mean, out on Halloween, the year it came out, which I don't want to say it was Halloween 2008. And like, I remember the opening day, it made like 2 million bucks. And we were like, oh my God, what the hell good. happened? And then it wound up making 10 million for the weekend, which was suitable. But it did fly. It was a sleeper movie, to say the very least. Which, when the movie comes out, as the filmmaker, you're bummed because you want the whole world to embrace it. But I've had a career where the stuff I've had when it's come out, doesn't really do anything it connects later on Mallrats being the mm -hmm. prime example of that and Zach and Mary was absolutely another one of those films where it came out some people who loved it loved it a lot of people never heard of it but for the next 10 years people have been like I found Zach and Mary like what a great movie a so you get this underdog vote at the end of the day that works out nicely too and and it's also a great intro for a lot of people to seth rogan relatively still early um in his career but there is a movie that means so much to me and that's dogma and i want to thank you for putting one of my idols and i know yours uh, george carlin um that's on it on a big screen and for me george carlin is one of my earliest memories of childhood i remember in sleepaway camp i was 10 11 years old having cassette tapes listening to the old george carlin sets and a 10, 11 year old listening to that dirty old man right. curse. And, 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 and he taught me how to curse. And he taught me, it was a sense of humor. He said, fuck you, evil Knievel. I'm getting in the plane. You could get on the plane. <laughs> I mean, that, that, yes. that's the foundation of my humor, George Carlin. Yeah. And it also connected my dad and I, who love George Carlin as well. 
Same I, here. That was a f- for, I don't know, it, maybe it's not for everybody, but sounds like it's for you and me. Carlin was a gift passed on to us by our fathers. Like sometimes you watched in movies or TV shows where there's a ceremonial bonding with father and son where they share a beer for the first time or whatever. That was never going to happen in my world. My version of that in my world, and sounds like <laughs> yours, was my dad giving me class clown and being like, you listen to this with your headphones on. You don't let your mother hear you listening to this. <laughs> no, nope, this dirty. Like, bond that I had with my dad where suddenly it was like, we're in on something. You know, and then you're like, what could this be? And then you listen to it and you realize like what your this, you know, older influence in your life, in my case, my dad, in your case, your dad, was trusting us with. Go, essentially, they were saying, you can handle this. This is grown up stuff and not just because they use You're personal, ready for it. They're talking about concepts that are beyond you, but I feel you can handle it. I recognize that now as a parent, the things that I pass on to my kid and be like, I think you can handle this. And you're hopeful when you pass it on because you want to see your kid embrace it too. Like I embrace Carlin, like you embrace Carlin. Could you imagine if my father had given me the gift of Carlin and I was like, he's all right. My father would have been broken hearted. That's it. But imagine you give your kid dice. Imagine you give your kid dice clay. That's a different story. You'd be taken out back. Exactly. Exactly. So, it, it that is a it's I don't know if it's the same anymore. Maybe it is with current day comics and and fans and their children. Perhaps somewhere you know there's a John Mulaney fan handing down so you know, one of John's concerts to a to to, to a nine year old and being like, "Don't let your mother hear you listening to this." But that was that was so important for like I'm, you know I'm not Jewish, but that was kind of my dad's version of like today you are a man. You know, that was that was my my so George Carlin man, like, You're no longer a boy. You're an adult. You can handle this. You can handle. And it. He girded me just like he girded you for battle in the real world. Like having George Carlin as an early influence led us to what we do. There's no, it's not a secret. There's no mystery as to why we're in front of people talking. You trace it back. Fascinating to that moment with Carlin. Be like. I like what this guy's saying. He's smart. He's funny. I want to be like that. That's what I thought my whole life. Because I would love to be like this guy. Smart, funny, and he curses for a living. And I got So let me ask you this. You have an opportunity to work with him. You're working with one of your heroes. What is that huge lesson that you took away from your intimate time working with George? Um, George uh, disabused me of my, uh, my faith that, you know, I didn't choose. I was given at birth by my family. My parents raised me Catholic. George was a, you know, a legendary, legendarily lapsed Catholic. And a lot of his comedy had a lot of Catholicism, oh, yeah. roots, which, you know, so much so when I met him, it was about to, to, was to talk about dogma. He came and sat down with a script and I was like, did you read it? He goes, yeah. He's like, I'd like to talk to about, about you, to talk to you about the script. I was like, you could see you're a big influence on it. He goes, Oh yeah. In some places I feel like I should be getting co-writing credit, you know? (laughs) So he recognized that I've had an impact on you, um, in, in your sense of humor. So meeting him, like this was the smartest man I'd ever known in my life. You know, still to this day, I think the wisest man I ever knew. We were making dogma. Dogma was about being Catholic. And, you know, I was a struggling Catholic at that point. And at one point we were between takes and, you know, we were bullshit and just talking. That was the thing I loved about George is you could have a conversation with him. Didn't It wasn't like him constantly working a routine at you. You just sit there and talk to him like we're talking. 
And so uh, he asked me at one point on set, he goes, you really believe in this stuff still, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I do. You don't? And he goes, no, I'm smarter than that. <laughs> and that was kind of the moment for me where it started to to break. Like I had just been raised to believe in Catholicism. It's all as, I knew. It's all I knew. Like, you know, it's so weird because there was a moment when I was six when I was like, hey, man, you know, John Kovic says there's no such thing as Santa Claus. And my parents were like, sit down. We got to tell you something. And they tell you like, you know, there's no Santa Claus. Hopefully, Adam, you knew. And then, no. then the next- You're ruining thing, it for me. I know, my bad. The next thing you say as a Catholic kid is like, well, what about, what about God? And with the utmost assurity in their voices and faces, they were like, well, God's real. You know, Santa Claus, that's the fake thing. George kind of uh, started that moment for me in adulthood with, with, uh, with Catholicism, where suddenly there was somebody older than me, smarter than me, who I respected, who was like, are you serious with this? You know, like all the adults in my life had always been like, well, this is the truth. There are angels and all this stuff happens in the Bible. And, you know, you, at a, it wasn't until I was like 28, 29 years old, 28, working with George Carlin, when suddenly that started to crack, where I'm like, oh, my God, I hadn't thought about it. You know, maybe, or I did think about it with dogma, but dogma was my way to, like, work through that faith. Uh, while we were making the movie, I think that was when I kind of let go of that faith. And I'm, I'm not, you know, saying I'm smarter than other people and whatnot. I like truly there are moments where I look at people of great faith who still hold their faith. And I'm like, wow, I remember what that was like. Like there's there's something nice about that, that kind of assurance that, you know, what's going to happen when the rest of the world doesn't after we all pass and stuff. And then there are moments like Friday where I'm like, thank God, I'm not a religious person. So and I mean, it's unbelievable, and it's so not funny. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. All over social media, people are repurposing the old George Carlin bit around abortion. Anybody, I'm like, holy fucking shit! He was so spot on 20 years ago when he did that. Absolutely. Maybe, but it, George is one of those artists that you can interpret him for both sides of an argument in many cases, though not on abortion. On abortion, no. he was pretty damn clear. Um, yeah, it, it, I'm telling you, getting to just hang out with the dude on set getting to you know never mind hey i actually grew up because i worked with george carlin um being able to like just listen to him talk hear him speak his mind when he wasn't in performance mode rare gifts man i i i chose wisely early in my career a lot of people in my position would have chose like what's going to make me more famous what's going to make me more money what's going to get me to big jobs i was always like what's going to allow me to hang out with the people who influenced me people who like made me want to do what I do in the first place. And so George was an excellent example of that, that in the moment I remember like Miramax being like, go for somebody different. Like George Carlin's old, who cares? George Carlin, a priest. I mean, that's typecasting. One, I mean, that's, I mean, George you can't Carlin get better. George Cardinal Glick was like some of the best cat, maybe the best casting I've ever done in my life. And you know? I mean, it's, it's spot on. I mean, I am, I am, I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that story. And I'm always impressed how you are a master of so many different things. You are a master not filmmaker. A, not a master, Adam. Like jack of all trades, definitely master of none. If a master, master of, of anything, masturbator only. 
I mean, um, I literally had that in my head, and, and I was going to say it. I'm like, do I say it to Kevin Smith? Is he going to make I'll that joke? Split. Do I got to make that awful dad joke? And, and you went there, so no, thank you. I will make that awful dad joke for heaven's <laughs> sake. I've been doing it my whole career for, for whatnot. I know, and I feel like I've earned the right. I, I have two little ones. I have a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old. You're a father, and I, I just I, I wear that badge proudly, that stupid dad joke badge. I'll drop them multiple times. I don't give a shit. You know what was crazy is I remember when <laughs> when Clerks came out, there was a review in Entertainment Weekly. What movie? Clerks. This movie I've heard of it. Never heard of it. Never, heard of it. Never, never heard of it. Very small never black and white movie, nobody knows. But it comes <laughs> out and Owen Gleiberman uh reviews it in Entertainment Weekly and he gives it like a B plus, which I thought was a pretty solid grade, maybe a B minus. But he I'll take goes, that in school. He goes, This is what a sitcom is gonna sound like in ten years. And I remember being insulted, being like, No way, man. Like, no way. He, a, he wasn't wrong, and B, like all the shit that used to be edgy that I would talk about is literally now just dad jokes. Used to be the edge, Adam. Like two broke girls? Razor's edge, man. And now it's just like every time I crack wise, somebody's like, that's a very cute dad joke. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh. So I had a question. I, I had a question where I was going here, but you you, you do a lot of stuff here. You know, where where, where do you find the, the the confidence to keep all of those trains moving together? All those pieces. This is a productivity type of question here. How a, do you keep all that shit? What a great question. And it's not creativity. It's desperation. Um, behind also, it all is this desperation to get it all done before I go toes up like you know i had the heart attack scare for you yeah, you talked about it on rogan we're not going there we but yes to, but because of that <laughs> you know i was always just like let's do a bunch of things and now i realize oh i'm living on borrowed time like House you morning. know act accordingly so all these dopey dreams i've always had is like oh one day we'll get to this one day we'll get to this now i expedite everything where i'm like we'll get to it soon because you don't know how much time you have so there's a desperation, I think, um, not the desperation I think the internet would point to to be like, you're desperate to be relevant, not at all. There's more of a desperation to spit it all out before I drop dead. Um, and, and that's cool because that keeps me occupied. I don't take vacations. I don't really have downtime. It's not like he went off the grid to do coke for like two months. The most- No, you would die in that case. Yeah, no doubt. Most fun like that I have is waking up every day and being like, ooh, what do, what do we want to make? What will we make? What? How long will that take? And so I float a lot of boats, spin a lot of plates, and some of them work out and some of them don't. But as they work out, that's where you put your attention. And then you keep spinning the others, you know, until you can get over there and then give you your full attention. But the drawback to that is none of it will be like Pulp Fiction or Quentin Tarantino good. It'll be Kevin Smith good, which is good enough. That's been the late motif for career. most of us. That's good enough, man. Good enough gets the job done. Going for brilliance, sometimes you never finish. But good enough, you'll get the job done. And, con and, and consistency and making as much as possible. I mean, maybe some people would argue over quality over quantity. But in order to get it all out in this lifetime before I drop dead, and I'm closer to the end now to the beginning, I'm, I'm all about the quantity. Fuck quality. Quality so gets decided by the audience. <laughs> The podcast is brought to you in partnership with Venturi, the recruitment operating system. 
the all-in-one tech platform purposely built for recruitment and staffing to unify your front, middle, and back office operations. Vincere is designed by recruiters for recruiters. Both the company and the platform are the unique creations of successful recruiters who sold their business, saw a need for a better recruitment tech, and made it happen. And if you're looking to upgrade your recruitment tech and give your recruiters a new modern operating system, visit vincere.io slash podcast. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-E dot I-O backslash P-O-Z-C-A-S-T for an exclusive offer. Thanks. So talking about getting shit out here, nice logical transition. Let's talk about Kilroy. And before we talk about Kilroy, I want to make sure I heard this soundbite correctly when I was doing my research. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a dog named Kilroy? Mm-mm. No, I heard that. I thought I heard that in the Rogan interview. No, I had I had a dog named Mulder, Scully and Mulder. Cause I was right, from X-Files. And we had a Louie. Uh, and a uh, Marty, but never a Kilroy. I should and, though, because Kilroy has been such a big part of my life, particularly uh, resulting with like, hey, this is gonna be the first movie released as an NFT. Yeah. So, so, NFT. so why, why release it as an NFT? Uh, the producer of my flick, David Shapiro, is a big fan of the medium, big crypto guy, big NFT guy. So early on in our relationship, because uh, Kilroy goes back to pre-heart attack, he had been like one of the first voices in my world to be like, do you know crypto? Before everyone else was doing it and stuff. So David was uh, very into the field. And so we're making this movie and it's a low budget movie. It wasn't intended to be like, this is going to you know, go to Warner Brothers. The idea was we were making a student film, a series of student films with the Ringling College of Art and Design kids down in Sarasota. And instead mm-hmm. of making just shorts, we would make these chapters, put them together into a movie so they could see what it was like to make a movie, not just like a short film. So we had this thing that was paid for, David had paid for and whatnot, and, you know, inexpensive. And we had two choices. Well, there was no two choices, one choice. Maybe we take it on the festival route. Maybe somebody buys it. We go the traditional way that I went with clerks. But since David is into the field, I asked him, I was like, hey, man, in a Web3 world, has anyone ever released a movie as an NFT? And his eyes lit up. He was like, no. And I was like, well, tell me more. <laughs> it's your movie as well as mine. Like, is that something that you'd want to be interested in? Like, look, I know this much. First one through the door, don't get rich. He takes all the bullets and shit. So you wouldn't be doing this to get fucking rich. You'd be doing it because sooner or later, somebody's going to be the first movie minted as an NFT. And that could literally be us. It's ours for the taking with a film that we don't really have a concrete plan for other than the traditional route. What if we went the untraditional route? If I made clerks today, I'd probably be thinking about this rather than the traditional route. So what if we tried this? And David was like, for it, if I'd made this movie with a studio, they would have been like, you're out of your mind. But because my producer was a fan of crypto because he was a big NFT collector, he was like, this could be a big step forward. Like, let's let's look into it. So our first idea was we're going to auction it to the highest bidder. And then as a whole, as a, as, a, as a whole movie, you take the right. flick, you win it, you know, the same way that the Wu-Tang had auctioned. I off just going to say Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang album. Yep. Yes. And, and our feeling was like, you, not only do you have the movie and it's yours as an NFT, but you have the movie in the real world. So if you want to release it, you can and we'll give you all the help to do that and stuff like that. So you become like an instant distributor or something. So Secret Network, the folks at uh, Secret Labs uh, and Legendow, they reached out to us. They had done this like really great NFT thing with Quentin and Pulp Fiction and have been very successful. They're like, we're looking Mm -hmm. for another film thing to do. This is like kind of up our alley. 
don't do it as one auction to one person. Let us do a series of NFTs. Like, let us, we could be creative with this. So they came up with this plan of doing 5,555 NFTs, which have the movie and its own piece of generative art. And I was like, well, if that's the case, can we let everybody own their own Kilroy that that comes with? And they were like, absolutely, which is really cool. Your call. So at that point, I was like, great. Person who buys the NFT has a movie, which is essentially like the steelbook version of, of a movie. Sometimes you buy a steelbook in the DVD store, costs a little bit more because it's like in a metal. Collector's game. item. Yep. Bells and whistles. Same thing here. You get the movie, you get all the bells and whistles, um, but you also get this piece of artwork that is now yours. And our thing is like, if you're going to make like a short or a piece of animation using your character, that is our sequel. I will build the framing de device around it. And then we get five of those shorts. Bang, we got another Kilroy. Bang, we got another Kilroy. So it's crowdsourcing plus owning the IP. Yes, but yes. And what I thrilled to about that was the idea that like the art uh, customer or consumer becomes the art collaborator like in the next incarnation. You know, so it's not, you know, I've had a lot of people, of course, uh, people outside the field yeah, have very, have. you know, uh, informed or uninformed opinions about crypto and NFTs. And I hear the word scam a lot. I was like, art, like this ain't a scam. You're literally buying a movie. That's, there's no scam here. You're getting- there, there's, a, there's a physical piece of art. It's about, it's the same as buying a painting versus buying just the digital asset that people are referring to as scams. Absolutely. Anyone out there who doesn't know what we're talking about. Absolutely. But if you were to buy this gorgeous piece, Batman piece, you can't then go make a Batman thing with it. Like you don't, you don't own, own you don't own any rights to it. You just have the piece of art. And maybe it's You're a sign, new. maybe it's a limited edition. Exactly. But in this yeah. case, it's like it's yours. That character's yours, man. So that if you go off and make a shirt and then you're like, hey, this is our shirt, and I'm like, that's fantastic. It's going in our movie. You become part owner, part co-creator of that next movie. So you also like profit in it as well, if that's your sort of thing. So there's a royalty aspect to it as well, the component. So it just felt like they on the business aspect, because some people are Why in not? this game because, you know, of gains and shit. I'm in it because I'm like, this is a playground. And others are going to discover it. Like, and I've been talking about, like, ever since I started telling people, we're taking Kilroy out as, as an NFT. I got phone calls and texts from people I haven't heard from who work in the studio system. And I ain't heard from in years. They don't give a fuck about me. But this was interesting to them. And they Both were like, attention. we're watching. And I know that because if I can make a fucking nickel this way, look out. You're going to get 26 more versions of Terminator Dude. 2. As oh an God. NFT with all different oh, yeah. variations to it. This is a case study, man. And it's going to also open up for so many young creators out there, not just young, meaning young in their careers or don't have the opportunities. And it's going to change the way Hollywood operates, where it's not just these bullshit fucking Jurassic Park movies. You're going to see the real creativity that's missing, in my opinion, come back. It's, Those it's indie like, films. There's the way Clerks like, would have came out with that, right? That's what appeals to me. That's what it all appeals to me. This feels like the world felt <clears throat> when we were making clerks like this is kind of an indie film movement like the indie filmmaker you know it's tough to find a place at the box office right now for any film let alone a low budget film um the indie filmmaker has turned to youtube and 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 uh things like that this is one more place to go where not only can you make your art but potentially you can monetize your art which is the dream of every indie artist right. we don't just dream about making this shit putting it on a shelf and people watching it like we dream of making a living off of it so if there's a way to go into this space and and this works out with us and then some smart kid is like okay if he could do that with kilroy 
then heavens, we could do this with my indie film. It just like opens up one more playground for us to all go practice our craft at. So, and you're so, also building well, a community, right? You're also building a fan base in a, in a in a much different, more engaged way. Where did the number of five thousand five hundred fifty five come from? Was it arbitrary? Like just bullshit? What a great question! Because originally they were like, let's do six thousand six hundred sixty six, and I was like, the internet being what it is. It's so cliche we, for you. Like, come on. Like, that's, that's, we will also be accused of like, you know, fucking Satanism, some dark cabal. I was like, just play it safe. Let's just leave the number six off the table. Let's just go for five, 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 five. And they were totally cool. That secret have been that's absolutely wonderful partners, man. The legend out <laughs> folks are great. The guy is a wonderful person. And and the idea that like they they jumped in because they were like, this is going to help us show off our secret technology, our, our own blockchain technology. I love so, it. so far, it's been a really great relationship. All right, let's give some alpha here. When's this thing coming out, man? July 1st is when the drop is. And it's not expensive. Like most NFTs are pricey. I, ours is like a couple hundred bucks. It's kind That's of not, so, it's, so it's accessible to the, to, the, to the average fan. That was the idea. Secret was like, look, make it accessible to your people bring your people into the space with you and so i was like that's the idea well how's it going to work after the 5555 people get to watch it and everyone else wants to watch it how's that going to work then there'll be a secondary life for it as a a physical film in the world um like we're taking it On out spirit airlines flights yeah and right. people will see, i mean people are like what if i'm not an nft person i'll never be able to see this movie i was like that's not the case at all it's first window of life is going to be here in the blockchain. You'll eventually see uh, Kilroy down the line for sure. If even else, if you're not a crypto person, what else excites you in the in the Web three space? What other technology gets your juices flowing? Collaborative nature of the Web three space really thrills me because I'm like I, my game doesn't get sharper; it gets blunter the older I get. So like even in something as simple as the as the Kilroy sequel that we're talking about. Having strong new filmmakers like in the work next to me is only good for me as a filmmaker who's aging out of the business. Um, there's a good chance we could discover some cats and go on to do some cool shit the same way that like Roger Corman did back in the day. So like I dreamed before the career I had and I love my career, but like the dream originally was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to do film co-ops like they do in like colleges and stuff where people who are outside of the arts can have a voice and, and real like Barton Fickey type of sh shit. And now we're at that place because it's so small and new and people are like, they don't know what to do with it yet that you can be experimental without somebody above you being like, well, hold on. How are we supposed to make money? It's a wild right West now. Man. It's just about the joy and the creativity. So the community of Web3 like reminds me, it's not like, oh my God, this is brand new and has only existed here. It reminds me of the community that built up when the web first started, which I was also here for. Like exactly. I, I got online with the VSQ website in like late 95, early 96. So I was around at a time where you could say like, oh, I did the internet last night and you meant you did everything. 
So now feels like <laughs> I finished like that. the internet. <laughs> yeah, I finished the internet. It was great. Right <laughs> now feels like that time again, particularly in Web three. It's a wild west. Yeah, it, it's it's a new frontier, and and that's what I do in in the Web three recruiting world. And I know we only have a couple of minutes here, so there's something I want to talk about relationship wise. You know, you've worked with so many people, so many different areas, and we're not just talking actors. We're talking the business side, the production side, the craft mm -hmm. services side. What what is that key skill that somebody really needs to have to be successful in relationships, from your perspective? Um, I mean, like, you know, everyone will tell you honesty and absolutely honesty uh, fucking works. But enthusiasm is what it is. Um, I don't know any movie don't thrive on enthusiasm. Yeah, money fuels a budget. But like if you have money and no enthusiasm, no movie happens. Enthusiasm is what passes the idea along like a virus. So when you come to play, maintain that enthusiasm. Now, sometimes it's difficult when you work for other assholes they control your day. So if a motherfucker yells at you on set or it trickles down like that, suddenly it don't seem as fun. It's tough to keep you up in your enthusiasm. When we were making Kilroy, our, we were largely making it with the kids at, at in Sarasota at the Ringling College of Art and Design. And I would painstakingly take moments between takes to have long lectures where I would just be like, look, the fun that you're having here, the way you could come up to me and make suggestions, we joke around and stuff like that, that is what you should expect on every job. You won't find that on every job because that's not the way the business not is the working. Way the world works. You will need to maintain that enthusiasm in the face of assholes who make you feel like, why do I want to be in this business sometimes with their lack of enthusiasm or with their tyrannical nature on set or something. But if you're on one of those sets, stay, absorb, learn, but know that you don't have to be there. And that is not the way the business should run. You have been on a set that shows you the way you should be treated going forward because this makes the job fun, keeps you enthusiastic. It's just smart thinking. If you have an enthusiastic cast and crew, the work is fucking better. The quality is like better, me, of course. I'm constantly showing them the movie while we make it. I'll stop to be like, here's some shit I cut last night. Let's watch it all together. Because the more juice they are about the experience, the better the product's going to be overall. It becomes something special, not because the Love director it. believes in it, but because everybody believes in it. So that enthusiasm is the best thing that you can bring to a set and maintain in a set and never let some motherfucker take it from you by being like, you know, oh, fucking go move a cable. You suck. You shouldn't be in the movie business. Bullshit. They shouldn't be in the movie business. They shouldn't be any in creative business if they're yelling at you. If people are yelling at you when you're making pretend for a living, unless they're yelling, get out of the way, a crane is falling. They are doing the fucking job wrong. So yeah. I'm telling you, man, it's keep whatever you feel, what brings you toward a thing in the first place is generally enthusiasm. You're like, I like this thing. And then you try to find out more about it. And then one day you get up the balls, the nerve, the fucking ovaries to try it yourself. Love it. And you find like, I can do that thing. Never let any motherfucker take that away from you. With and that's their bad attitude. That's the most important piece of info I can give anybody. I love it. Working with every level across the board. That's amazing. So, Kev, let's bring let's bring let's bring it home here. My last question here: You look back on your life, and there was those dark times when you were coming up. Those dark times when you were struggling, a struggling filmmaker, and you started to make it. You got to a certain level of success, and you needed to pull yourself forward. When you were on that operating table, when you thought your life was slipping away from you, and you saw that light, and you had to reach to it. What was it that pulled you up? That you had to hold on to? On the flip side of it, you're alive with us now. Gratitude for your career and your family. 
Kevin Smith, what is your compass in life? What is your North Star? I just, I feel like I got a bunch to say. And I believe me, I don't think it's all important. And your publicist is texting me and calling me? <laughs> Never mind that person. I, but <laughs> I feel like I got a lot to say. And again, I don't feel like it's the most important shit in the world. Some of it is just about fucking Star Wars. But like, as a human being, we're gifted this one thing above all the other species on this planet, the gift of self-expression. You can tell people exactly what is on your mind and in your heart in this world. Something an animal can't do. You look in their eyes, you can project. We can tell each other, I'm hurt, I'm happy, I need, I feel, I love, I hate. You know, that's that type of communication a lot of us take for granted. I feel like while I've got breath in me, I got a chance to tell people what's on my head and what's on my heart. And most of it is I try to make it amusing so it's not so tough for him to take. So when I was laying on the table, I was like, oh, man, I won't get to make like Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I mean, more importantly, I was like, if I die tonight, Yoga Hosers is the last movie I made. I got to get back up. So the <laughs> idea of like there's Can't more to do, the more to say is what kind of gets me up like every morning. And I hope it stays that way until I drop dead doing the job. I never want to retire. I don't want to be sitting somewhere thinking about how I used to do a thing. I want to do what Robert Altman did. Robert Altman left this world off a movie set, man. He died doing what he loved. Give me some of that. That'll be great. Awesome. Kevin Smith, I want to thank you so much for joining me. I want everyone to check out the Kilroy NFT that drops on the 1st, which is coming up this Friday. Find Kevin. You can find him across social media. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You know where to find out more at thepodcast.com. Follow us on all the social media channels. Thank you. The great fucking Kevin Smith on the podcast. Take care, my friend. Adam, you absolutely rock. Thank you for having me. Wisdom is forever, but for us. It's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.